0: Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios here in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning.
1: Good morning.
0: Here's something I haven't said in a while. Laddie, good morning. Greg Ballack is back on the boards today. Good morning, gentlemen. Hello. And finally, as we complete the quartet here on the Halford and Bruff show, it's the A Dog, Andy Cole. Hello. I heard you were rioting at the baby concert yesterday. Yeah, it wasn't no, Lil Baby. No, Lil Baby. This is ridiculous. <laughs> we'll I had front row seats. We'll get to that later in the show. That's just what we learned. I may have spoiled it. Uh, Halford and Bruff yeah, in the morning is, br- <laughs> is brought to you by the Delari family of accurate dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari accurate dealer today. Uh, when we run through. Our guest list for the day, I'll tell you a little bit more about our Monday morning quarterback, Mike Tannier, brought to you by the Clayton Public House. But uh, tell them about
1: the Kintech Studio, Jason, before we get underway. Well, we're coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics providers supported by over... How many five-star Google reviews? It's 1,500. 1,500. That's so many five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Okay.
0: uh, Our Monday morning quarterback, Mike Tannier is going to be our first guest today on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650, but that's not coming up until 7 o'clock in the morning. Our NFL insider from Football Outsiders. Um, Big NFL Sunday, obviously. So we're going to split the first hour of the show. We're going to go local to start. And then we're going to go NFL in the second half of the 6 o'clock hour. And then that'll lead into Tannier at 7 o'clock. Lots of things to get into there. Uh, hard times for the Cincinnati Bengals, who are now 0-2. Uh, hard times for the Seattle Seahawks, who crashed crashed back to earth in San Francisco yesterday.
1: Humbled badly in San Francisco, but not a great day for the San Francisco 49ers either. Or uh, Trey Lance. <laughs> nah. Uh, y- yeah. Uh, you know what? No. Uh, it's the long-term plan of that franchise, Trey Lance, snapped his ankle, probably done for the season, he's would done, you imagine? Yeah. Is yeah, he, he's done for they, the year. Yeah, they, they ruled him out that? right
0: away afterwards. Yeah, broken leg, surgery, done for the year. Jimmy Garoppolo, not the starting yeah. quarterback for the 49 There's some bad
1: jokes you can make along the way, like, oh, that's this is why, this is what, you know, there won't be a, a happier guy than Kyle Shanahan, right? Yeah. Like, or something along those lines. But, you know, obviously this is bad news for the 49ers organization and bad news for Trey Lance, especially.
0: Yeah, so we'll talk to Mike about that. We can preview not one, but two Monday Night Football games tonight as well. So that's coming up at 7, 730. Our good buddy Jim Toth from Winnipeg, CJOB Radio in the peg. We can talk to him about the news that got dropped on Friday out of Winnipeg, that they were going to strip Blake Wheeler of the captaincy for the Jets, and then they were going to give it to nobody. Captainless, no, riderless.
1: No, Mike, you're so house of negativity. This is obviously an opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets true. players to to really, you know, the leadership group sometimes, the word doesn't change. The word does evolve. That's true. It's going for one. There's some good spin coming out of Winnipeg.
0: Half of it was, the best was Wheeler. Wheeler was like, yeah, I was really caught off guard. And then I let it sunk in. And then they're like, and then what? He's like, that's it. I just let it sink in. And that was it.
1: And then I went to the little baby concert in <laughs> Vancouver. And I tore that place apart. (laughs)
0: And I took it out on a porta potty So, 7.30, Jim Toth is going to join us. We'll talk about what to expect out of Winnipeg now. Just a bizarre, taking the captaincy away wasn't the craziest thing on Earth, but the timing of it, I felt, was really strange. But lo and behold, here we are, 8 o'clock. Uh, we're gonna do more hockey. We're at your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. IMac is gonna join us. Ian McIntyre at eight o'clock. Lots to get into with IMac.
1: IMac has had a busy weekend yep. up in Penticton. He spoke with Patrick Alvin. He spoke with Bruce Boudreaux, and he obviously watched some hockey. Um, I think I have my my hardworking guy that's willing to do whatever it takes. Do you remember? The, do you remember my my theory about the the players that will come out of nowhere? Uh, and, and and make it at the and, young stars you're talking. Well, about, anywhere, anywhere, but some sometimes you can see them, or sometimes th- they have their, their their big moment, or they they make people take notice at a tournament like Young Stars. Uh, yep. Tristan Nielsen,
0: I uh, I know the one ass
1: iMac about him. Yeah, because I, I think he was one of the, the the guys that people looked at over the weekend and went, hmm, former Vancouver Giant, has already played a bit for Abbotsford. Looks like a pretty good player. So I'm back at eight
0: o'clock to talk about young stars. Conversations with Alvine, Conversations with Boudreaux. Jim Toth out of Winnipeg at seven thirty to talk about the Jets and their captaincy issue. Seven o'clock, Mike Tannier to go through all things NFL. That's the show for today. Tonight, again, I mentioned it. Odd. I didn't. I knew that there was going to be a couple double headers for Monday Night Football in the NFL, but this one, overlapping games,
1: it's very strange. Yeah, what are they doing here? They are doing. What's the plan?
0: Titans, Bills, the Point. I, I'm not sure. I guess it's just the scheduling glitch because maybe they didn't have a West Coast game, but they run the schedule. You'd mm-hmm. think they'd be able to. You got Titans and Bills kicking off at 4.15 our time. Then at 5.30 in the quote-unquote primetime game, you got Vikings and Eagles. So two pretty good games I'll be watching. I just wish they didn't overlap one another.
1: Are they not counting the Bills game as a primetime game? They are. Because Anything- you only get five. That's the max each team can get, and right. the Bills are... Gonna, they were already primetime in week one. Yep. Week, two, I think they're they're Sunday night football next week too. Yeah,
0: if you show up on any even, Thursday, Sunday, or Monday night, you're primetime. That's okay, it, right? Even if it's in a double So, because yeah, the Bills are like a marquee team now.
1: Well, they're, yeah, they're, obviously, yeah.
0: So Titans Bills four fifteen, Vikings Eagles five thirty. Uh, no Jays today, but the Mariners are back in action against the Angels. They're getting crushed by the Angels right now. They really need to turn that series around.
1: And so. now that Laddie's back, it's it's nice to have like a baseball expert. There was uh, so much that happened in the month that you were away. It's gonna yeah. be all baseball
0: all the time now.
1: Yeah. Oh no! I our, I was under the impression. our our analysis while you were gone was like, and th- three strikes, you get three strikes. Man, hit ball and and <laughs> ball what, <laughs> go far. And 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 what's interesting <laughs> is if you have two strikes and you foul it off. You don't strike out, even though it is technically a strike when you fell it off. We had
0: Dan Shulman break that down for us, actually. Not like slow pitch, guys. Not like slow pitch. That was the guy yelling at them for him. That's the umpire. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Sir. Um, By the way, I asked Buck Martinez way back when, when the Jays were 11 games back of the Yankees, if I was crazy to say that they might be able to catch him. Wake up this morning, five and a half games back. Leeds just getting whittled and whittled away, Jason. I've already made my
1: first mistake. The Buffalo Bills aren't on primetime next week, but whatever. You know?
0: Uh, they're not next week.
1: I think it's Denver and San Francisco.
0: You could just hold off on any proclamations
1: before I looking at no, sure. okay. no, I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure. I will confirm that. Without and doing any research,
0: wrong. this is the correct answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's the show. Clearly, it's going to be an awesome one. Stick around. Uh, we told you what's happening on the program. Laddie, a dog, both the dogs. Let's tell everybody what happened.
1: did you guys see the game last night? No. No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how
0: busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? Now, this is our commitment to this province, to this market. We're going local right up the hop. Some might think, oh, Halford and Bruff are going to come in and they're going to talk all things NFL. They're going to talk about the Seahawks. They're going to talk about Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett looking like garbage two weeks in a row. No. We are going to start with, get this, the British Columbia
1: Lions. Vernon Adams, baby. Yeah, The BC Lions deserve our respect. Um, They they got another win in Calgary. And this one was very different from the last one that Nathan Rourke starred in. Um, Although it did have some similarities. Very close games. um, And the Lions ultimately won it. Uh, Vernon Adams was solid. I don't think... We can expect him to be as exciting as Nathan Rourke, but the guy was solid. He threw for 294 yards, rushed for 32, mm-hmm. and ultimately helped the BC Lions win 31-29 in overtime over the Calgary Stampeders. Um He didn't throw any touchdown passes for the Lions, but but he didn't throw any picks either. Yep, It's good. That's exactly what they needed.
0: They were reeling so badly after the Rourke- um injury and then the two losses subsequently where the offense looked totally inept. Yeah. They weren't getting anywhere close to 20 points, let alone the 31 they had on the weekend. And Adams came in in his first start and did probably everything you could have asked of him given he's only been a member of the team for 2 weeks, mm-hmm. right? Got them a big win. They stay in second place, which
1: is hugely important, and they get the tiebreaker mm-hmm. with the stamps because they've won the season series. The Lions are 9 and 3. It feels like they dropped. It, it, it felt like they dropped to eight and six. Yeah, but but all they did was drop to eight and three, and now they won nine and three. Uh, the stamps are eight and five. Now, it got more interesting than just the game. Yeah, it's really- also interesting because these teams have a rematch Saturday at BC Place, and I don't know where they'd go for a post game fight. Maybe. Park Casino, Boston, something along those Boston, lines. Boston Pizza, but yeah, but possibly uh, at McMahon Stadium. Uh, they went to the parking lot, right? So actually,
0: the th- the the theatrics began after the game. Now this is keep in mind, we are Big J journalists here on the Helford and Brush Show on Sports at six fifty, but we are taking a lot of this from secondhand eyewitness accounts, tweets, because all this happened after the media was act- actively covering the game. So in the aftermath. It was alleged that uh, Lucky Whitehead, the Lions receiver, uh, was the recipient of a sucker punch from one of the Calgary Stampeders players, Cam Judge. This apparently escalated to the point where the two teams had certain players meeting in the parking lot of the stadium while trying to get into their vehicles because they weren't done getting after one another yet. Now, I will say this. um, It's not surprising that this is that things got testy. You mentioned the last time that the Lions beat the Stamps when Nathan Rourke was a quarterback. It was a hotly contested affair. It was a tight game. It went down to the wire. You had a replica of that this weekend. Same idea, different you know players starring in it, but it was obvious that these two teams are battling for second place in the West. They've obviously had two tight games. The Stamps are obviously pissed off because they lost both of them, so not really surprising that things boiled over. I got a feeling that we'll get some news on this Today and tomorrow, is because the CFL is actively investigating what went on
1: here. Yeah, there could be some some suspensions, I, I guess. Lucky Whitehead took to Twitter, too, Yep. after Farhan tweeted out that, I'm told Cam Judge sucker-punched Lucky Whitehead, apparently happened on the field at the end of the game. Campbell was not happy. Now, there are a lot of allegations that Lucky Whitehead was saying some pretty bad things mm-hmm. out on the field, but Lucky Whitehead responded and said, and I pray... Cam Judge travels next week because he could have said something at halftime when we have to cross paths to go into the locker room. You hit me, then run into your locker room. Don't talk you know what on the field if you can't handle it. So it's funny in these cases, you <laughs> you often get the, the Vancouver-based reporters, um, you know, kind of not carrying the water, but Sure. Telling everyone what the Lions are saying, and then the Calgary-based reporters are telling what everyone what the what the Stampeders say. So sometimes it looks like the reporters are arguing when they're not really because they're just kind of passing along what each individual home team is telling them. Mm-hmm. Um, at any rate, we might find out more about this situation. Uh, the BC Lions really needed this win. And I think that's the most important thing. Like, it's kind of funny or whatever, what happened after the game, whatever you want to describe it. But the most important thing is that the Lions got this win. Uh, we talked to Moj on Friday about the challenge of the BC Lions holding on to that second spot in the CFL West, which would give them the honor of hosting a playoff game, perhaps against Calgary. Yep. <laughs> right? And uh, I asked Moch, can you handicap their chances now that Nathan Rourke is out? And he said, you know, it's going to be tough because obviously Nathan Rourke was such a good quarterback. And also, and I thought this was a good point that he made. He said, look, the Lions weren't a perfect team with Nathan Rourke. Right. And they won some games that I don't want to say they deserved to lose, but they easily could have lost. They 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 had issues uh, with, for example, their special teams weren't great. Those issues don't just go away, right? Uh, and but the Lions got this win. It was a gutsy win. Vernon Adams looked comfortable. He looked solid. He looked consistent. Mm-hmm. That was the most important thing, if not spectacular. So the the rivalry continues Saturday,
0: September 24th. That's this Saturday, 7 o'clock at BC Place. We'll be keeping an eye on that one because that just got a hell of a lot more interesting. Uh, as for BC Place and its tenants and their games, uh, Vancouver Whitecaps won on Saturday. Uh, great for them. They beat the Sounders. I think it's the first time in five years that they've beaten the Sounders, and that was a, a team that they had notoriously had problems with since coming into MLS. It really doesn't matter, unfortunately. They had a
1: spectacular goal, though. They did two they not?
0: spectacular two goals. Spectacular two spectacular goals? Two spectacular goals. Tell
1: me about these spectacular goals. Uh, I know you were there.
0: Yeah, I was. The first goal was tremendous. It was a 12-pass combination down the left side of the field that included a lovely one-on-one move from Ryan gold before he crossed it in for... Pedro Vite for a tap in, and then the game, what eventually was the game winning goal, was Julian Gressel, mm-hmm. former guest on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650, hitting a volley, a sweetly hit volley from the top of the. That game. was incredible. That it was, was a great world class. Yeah, it was a great hit. Was, I, I shouldn't downplay two tremendous goals and almost twenty thousand people in attendance. There was a big yeah. traveling contingent from Seattle. I think but, it was their
1: their biggest crowd of the season for a regular season. Game. It was.
0: Yes, yeah. that's correct. But unfortunately you take a step back and you look big picture and their playoff percentage chances are still mi- m- like micro. Like yeah. there's that, you know, we were talking 10% chance or below. So the season's done. It's unfortunate that I, maybe two of their best performances of the year, beating the galaxy three nil and then beating the Sounders in back-to-back weeks came when their season was pretty much
1: written off. Is the win over the Sounders uh, I mean the Sounders are going to miss too, right?
0: Well, that's the only thing I'll say about this is the Galaxy and the Sounders were desperate for points because yeah. they were right they were closer to the playoff bar than Vancouver. So it wasn't like they're not
1: as good as they have been in previous years.
0: No, but it's not like Vancouver got these two wins against like the dead last teams in MLS or two teams that had nothing to play. for.
1: Yeah. It's not like those teams were like, when is the season over Right, playing all the Academy
0: kids or whatever? Like they were going for it. And the Whitecaps played really well. It's, it's frustrating from a fan's perspective because you kind of wonder what could have been if the caps can play this well, why didn't they do it for a third? Yeah.
1: Some tough, tough decisions for the caps. Um, What do they do after a season like this? It's almost reminiscent of the Canucks last year where they make a good push to make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. have a dreadful start. But, uh, you know, there were some good things that happened. Obviously, they won the Canadian championship too. Uh, They're going to make it close to make the playoffs. So what do they do? Do you make wholesale changes or do you say, all right. We'll bring back most of the guys and see if it works out yeah, how much how much stock is there, do you is, put is, into is, this. Is there it's, a flat cap in MLS that is that is causing uh, trades to no, be difficult? No flat cap. You can you can exceed the cap by seventy billion dollars if you
0: want to give it to one guy. So there's not that hamstring them. Anyway, uh that's it for the white caps part of thing. We've left a good chunk of time here to run through everything you need to know about the Vancouver Canucks from this weekend because it was a fairly eventful weekend. On the ice, if you are so I don't know. Intrigued by Young Stars scores, we can pass along that the Canucks are undefeated at Young Stars so far. Perfect 2-0, uh, a 3-0 victory over the Calgary Flames. And then, uh, where's the other one there? It's a Saturday game. It was 4-1, sorry. Over Winnipeg. Over Winnipeg in the second game. You mentioned the name of Tristan Nielsen as a former Vancouver Giant who's kind of made a name for himself. Goals in both games up there. In really Penn- nice Tixon. goal against Calgary. So, there are some things to be taken from this, but honestly, Jason... Uh, The biggest takeaways from the weekend are that we're starting to get those conversations that, you know, hockey is on the horizon. We're about a week away from the start of the exhibition campaign. And uh, Ian McIntyre, who we're going to have on the show at 8 o'clock, started talking to Boudreaux and Alvin. He was talking to Boudreaux about who's going to play where, what the pairings might look like, what your center depth is going to be. So we got some really good stuff to chew on, finally. Now it's not just about JT Miller trade talks and then... Maybe some Bo Horvat trade talks. Anyway, there's a lot to take away from this weekend. Klimovich well, well, actually, actually, looked really good too. Did he? Klimovich, yeah, yeah good. he was all over the place. Did you spend the weekend watching young stars? Ah, a bit here and there, but he, I he did. did stand out to me. Like I, I was really impressed. The first game, not so much. Second game, really strong. Well,
1: this is this is a big game and this is a big year for Klimovich because I think last year you can give him all the excuses in the world, right? He's a young kid playing in the AHL. He, he, a lot of people thought he should have gone back to junior. The Canucks ultimately decided, hey, let's keep him here. Uh, under a watchful eye, Um, get him used to North America. He barely spoke any English when he came over here. Um, That is starting to change, obviously. His English isn't perfect, but it's better. Um, The Canucks, uh, the Abbotsford Canucks, are going to have a a young AHL team, and he's going to be given every chance to be a big part of that. So for Klimovich, it's going to be a big year. Um, But the conversations that... IMAC had with Patrick Alvine and the conversations that Drantz had with Patrick Alvine were as interesting as a conversation with Patrick Alvine can, 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 can be. That's a good I, way of putting it. Um, I thought it was maybe not interesting, but I think worth noting that Drantz had an exchange with Alvine and he said, uh, he asked the the Canucks general manager, do the comments you had around the deadline last year that your club couldn't afford to lose pending unrestricted free agent players for nothing still govern your outlook when the pe- that pending unrestricted free agent is a high profile, hard to replace centerman like Bo Horvat, and I would add, your captain. Mm. And Alvin said, yeah, it sure does. Yep. So Horvat now is in the position that we didn't expect him to be, but we did expect JT Miller to be uh, in that you're going into the season, uh, at least right now, as a pending unrestricted free agent. Let's say there's no contract announced for Bo Horvat and you get to the trade deadline. What do you do? What do you do? Mm-hmm. According to Alvin, you would trade him. Same playbook applies. Same philosophy applies. This is what they do. Actually did with Tyler Mott. And that was the the, the time that Drance was referencing. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure the Canucks took at least a stab at trying to re-sign Tyler Mott. Couldn't get it done. So they traded a, not a core piece, but I would say an important piece of the Canucks away for futures. Um Despite the fact that they still had hopes of making the playoffs. Faint hopes, but they still had hopes of making the playoffs. Now... We questioned whether the Canucks would really go into the season with JT Miller, mm-hmm. his situation unresolved, and put themselves into that position where they had to do that. Now, ultimately, they didn't with JT Miller, but will they with Bo Horvat? That is going to be the big question this week because I think now is the time. If you're going to get a deal done with Bo Horvat, it is this week to do it. Sure. Otherwise, it has officially become a distraction.
0: Yeah, and they do have a week to do it. Um, it was interesting because, again, any interview with LV, and he's not going to give you an awful lot, so it kind of sounds as though that there's traction that's been made, but he wasn't going to tip his hand as to where anything was in terms of negotiations.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if it gets done this week. I wouldn't either. But uh, just to set the week up, yeah. uh, the Canucks will obviously finish off Young Stars today in Penticton. Uh, then everyone comes home. And training camp starts Friday in Whistler. Friday, Saturday in Whistler. They usually have like physicals in Vancouver on on the Thursday. I I, I don't I I don't know for sure that that's happening. They but just got to get their headshots taken. They got to get their headshots taken. They actually do have to do some of the uh, preseason work. Like you know how they 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 have those uh, preseason videos that they make yeah. for the crowd. Like they're they're I think they're doing that all this week. Yeah, Bo Horvat waving his hand. Make some noise. Yeah. Minutes. I'm I'm dressed as a superhero they're, or possibly a zombie. They're gonna have J.T.
0: Miller come in there. And he's gonna be like, "Let's ride."
1: Didn't they have them all as zombies once? You no. haven't been to a game in
0: years. Yeah, like you mean like on the ice during the game. No, or, no, no, or, no, no, no. <laughs> Their
1: pre-game thing was them like it was like a Walking Dead type of thing. Anyway, they got to do that this week. They got to um, do the Walking Dead this week. They got to do the Walking Dead this week. You know. Um, and then Friday, Saturday is the Whistler training camp. Uh, only two days. The preseason starts Sunday. They have a split squad game against the Calgary Flames. So we're going to be watching hockey Mm -hmm. in a week. Less. Six days' time. Six days' time. Yesterday. A week yesterday. So uh, I I would imagine that today through Wednesday or Thursday, the Canucks and the Horvat camp are going to give it another crack. I'm not reporting this. I would just imagine that they're going to do it because I'm sure both groups if they can get a deal done, would sure love to get it done this week mm-hmm. so that the first question for Horvat is like, what's going on contract-wise? If Horvat's off, if they get Horvat signed, you're rolling into camp. Yeah,
0: you got no issues. Everybody's healthy. There's no off-season surgeries lingering around. I suppose maybe the only one you're keeping an eye on is Pullman.
1: Everyone's signed. Everyone's ready to go. And And I have to repeat, and I think the organization itself would completely acknowledge this they got to have a smooth training camp. They don't want guys coming in halfway through. Not that anyone, not that Horvat would because he's under contract this season. But, you know, last season it was just herky-jerky. Uh-huh. And last season you also had the hangover of the previous year, which was dreadful. The Canucks want to do the opposite this year. They want to take the momentum that they build in the second half of the season and roll into training camp. Bruce Boudreaux is going to have some systems stuff, some systems adjustments. I don't think it's going to be all that complicated, but he is going to have some adjustments, and he wants to have everyone on the same page and get that vibe up, that positive vibe. I think how they perform in the preseason is, it's obviously not going to be the most important thing, but I think it's going to be fairly important because I think they're going to want to have a preseason where they're all feeling good about themselves because they start the season with that five-game road trip, and it's going to be a real tester. Uh, coming up on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet
0: 650, we're going to talk all things NFL coming up. If you want your NFL fix, the next half hour is going to be for you. We'll talk Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk the 49ers. Disappointment at the quarterback position, but maybe some optimism moving forward. Game of the week between the Dolphins and the Ravens. What a masterpiece that was. We will talk about comebacks. Yesterday, Jason, there was not one, but two 20-point comebacks. In the NFL, there's a lot to get into, so don't go anywhere. It's the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 11:30 Air Patrol. We have one problem to let you know about this morning, Ian Langley. We have a multi-vehicle crash, Highway One Westbound just before 232nd. It is blocking the left.
1: Carr waiting for the shotgun snap. He's got the ball. Quick throw left side. Renfro with a catch. And he breaks one tackle. Then the ball comes out. It's
0: loose. And it's picked up by the Cardinals in midfield. It's picked up by Byron Murphy. And the 40, and the 30, and the 20, and the 10. Full game! Byron Murphy picks up
1: the ball at midfield. Returns it for a touchdown. And the Cardinals win.
0: One of the crazier comebacks you'll ever see yesterday. Cardinals 29-23 to in OT. Stunning the Raiders after being down 20 points in that game. You're listening to the Halpern Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yet it wasn't the only massive comeback on Sunday. It wasn't even the only 20-point comeback on Sunday.
1: Well, the Seahawks are 1-1, one one, so they're still in first place in the NFC West. They are tied with uh, San Francisco the Rams and the Cardinals. Cardinals got the one-on-one. They could have been all one-on-one. They're
0: all one-on-one. What a division it is. It was actually a decent, decent day for the division yesterday after a very, very rough week one. Uh, I did mention that there were two 20 point comebacks yesterday. And then kudos to the New York jets who only quote only came back from 17 down, but in very dramatic fashion to stun the Browns.
1: Are you still, are you still um, trying to get your head around which teams have which quarterbacks? I mean, I'm a from, little I know. bit.
0: Uh, The Joe is Joe Flacco elite memes were fast and furious. So I kind of was like, all right, he's playing with the Jets. There are some guys in some places. No,
1: there's just a lot of veteran quarterbacks that have changed teams. No, I know. I mean,
0: across the board, like uh, we we had a bunch of buddies over to watch football yesterday.
1: And Carson Wentz plays for them or or, Matt
0: Ryan plays for them. It was a real dad conversation. I was like, oh, did you know Khalil Mack was on the Chargers now? Like that kind of thing, right? You just forget sometimes. There's a lot of movement across the league. But, you know. Uh, this, this Sunday, it was not as exciting as last Sunday for a variety of reasons. Uh, a lot of the games weren't as close. Uh, there wasn't as much drama and it was opening week. It was week one, but there were some really interesting games that you thought were
1: done yeah. that all of a sudden got really interesting in the fourth quarter. But let's get to those games, uh, after we talk about the Seahawks. Oh, game right. Because... The obligatory Seahawks talk. So there's two obviously big angles, uh, to this game. There was the Seahawks and the 49ers, um, We'll talk about the Seahawks real quick. Their performance was not worth a lot of analysis. Their performance was, was essentially... It's just what the Seahawks cannot afford to do, and that is fall behind big. Yep. They were down 13 Um So what do the Seahawks want to do? Well, they want to run the ball, and they want to keep games closed. They couldn't do that. They barely ran the ball at all. I think they ended up with something like... 36 yards total rushing. Terrible on the ground. Because, well, and and they kind of just quit, right? Mm -hmm. And instead what happened was the 49ers ran the ball down their throats. So it was just a, this is, I think Pete Carroll called it a humbling experience. They were, the the Seahawks were humbled Mm -hmm. after an unexpected win over Denver in week one. But the real big story was San Francisco because Trey Lance and it's funny, I was on the golf course, but I was listening to the game and uh obviously Steve Rabel was on was on the call uh-huh. and I don't know who his color guy was, but his color guy was like Trey Lance's leg, the bone in his leg is sticking the wrong way. Yeah. And I was, was like gross. Ooh, this is this is bad for Trey Lance.
0: Very early in the game, two twenty to go in the first quarter, uh, Lance broke his right ankle. He got rolled up on. Uh, I can't remember who came through for the Seahawks on part of the tackle, but his right ankle got rolled up on. He was down immediately. The cart was out immediately. And then immediately it was Jimmy Garoppolo coming in. And it was, you know, it's funny because you're watching this unfold in front of you and you're hearing the live analysis from the guys. And they have to kind of call it not just what's happening in front of them, but what's about to happen. And it was hard for them to. Empathize with the situation, but also acknowledge that this isn't a terrible thing in terms of there could have been worse situations for other teams, just in terms of a a guy getting injured Mm -hmm. and another guy coming in because they made the point and there was a couple people who made the point online. There are a lot of other teams in the NFL that would have had their season go down in flames with that injury. For The 49ers, not only do they have maybe the best backup in the NFL, but they got a guy that I think a lot of people think is further ahead than Trey Lance is right now, getting chance to win games.
1: Headline in the San Francisco Chronicle Could some players be relieved the 49ers season is now in Jimmy G's? See, like hands. it's caustic,
0: right? It sounds awful, yeah, right? But at the same time, 22
1: year old kid who doesn't even really get a fair chance. To prove himself, because in week one against the Bears, it was a terrible weather situation. Mm-hmm. And in week two, he barely lasts. What? what, what when did it happen? The second two, quarter? Two minutes and 20 seconds left in the first quarter. In the first quarter, so almost the yeah. second. But it yep. was in the first yep. quarter, and this 22-year-old kid who probably prepared for this season like no other because this is going to be his prove-it season. Now he snaps his ankle. His season is over. And let's face it, when there are injuries like this, they can be career-threatening.
0: Yeah, so Jimmy G comes in and does exactly what Jimmy D- G does. Uh, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, doesn't turn the ball over. He's not going to wow you with his feet, but he did rush for a touchdown yesterday. And it uh, was just efficient, right? He finished with 13-21, to 21, 154 yards, passing touchdown, rushing touchdown. He was, gr- he was good, and he didn't have to be great because it was the Seahawks that they were playing against. Just a cap on this as we can move along.
1: Do you think DJ Dallas is the best? the the best quarterback in the NFL, or the worst.
0: Has has he ever thrown a football
1: before? I don't (laughs) know what that was. He he said he tried to pull it back. I know. So it was one of those throws where you're like, I shouldn't do this. Ah, The momentum got it. He should have pulled it back. He should have pulled it back a little bit harder or more (laughs) forcefully or whatever. (laughs) Just fumbled it if you
0: could have. So if you have no idea what we're talking about, with the game still relatively in the balance, I mean, don't get me wrong, the 49ers looked like they had a lead. They weren't going to relinquish, but the Seahawks finally got within 10 yards of the end zone and they call a trick play, which is for DJ Dallas. Of all people, they lined up in a four running back set. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, Ken Walker took the direct snap and then pitched it to DJ Dallas. And then Mm -hmm. Dallas promptly threw an interception when he was trying to hit DK Metcalf in the end zone. Now I don't think it would have made a big difference to be perfectly honest, but there were some people saying like, for a team that has a really razor-thin margin for error and doesn't have a ton of talent, can't put up a lot of points, that's not the play call. Like, you can't do that when you maybe only have one or two chances in the red
1: zone is to go to some bizarre yeah.
0: halfback option.
1: It's what teams with not a great quarterback often do, though. And, and the Seahawks, with all due respect to Geno Smith, don't have a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, the Denver Broncos thought they signed a great quarterback, and the Denver Broncos did pull out the win yesterday. Over the Houston Texans at home, but only just, and they did not look impressive in the process to the point where the Denver Broncos fans, because there were so many false starts, were counting down the play clock Mm -hmm. for the Broncos. It was really bad. It was reminiscent of the opposing fans counting down the time limit to take a free throw for Giannis in basketball, but this was the home fans. The <laughs> this home fans, <laughs> these were the supportive fans. They, yeah. they were trying to support them because, uh, the Broncos once again, just looked disorganized, um, mm-hmm. discombobulated Russell Wilson's numbers through three quarters were pathetic. There was something along the lines of like six of 20. Uh, he finally kind of pulled it together in the end. But the pressure on Nathaniel Hackett right now is immense. But I will add this. I saw a lot of Seahawks fans throw into the conversation. Do you remember when everyone was like mad at the Seahawks coaches for allegedly not getting the plays in fast enough and screwing over Russell Wilson? Maybe the whole false start thing and the play clock constantly running out in Seattle was not a coaching issue Maybe it's a Russell Wilson thing.
0: Right. And I have some time for that for sure, but let's go through this to give you an idea of how bad a start. The Nathaniel Hackett era is after, I'm going to call it the Russell Wilson era right now. I'm going to focus on Hackett here. They're one and one and you could say, Hey, after two games you lose on the road on Monday night football an emotionally charged game. And then you come back home and win. You're fine. Consider this. They got flagged 13 times on Sunday for a hundred yards and penalties in two games, the Broncos have had 25 penalties called against. Yeah. That is a crazy amount. It's the most in team history. After two games, they've got all the
1: aspects of a poorly coached team.
0: So even when Russ doesn't have the ball in his hands, like they had an an incident yesterday where they had to burn a timeout because they had their punt return team on, but they were missing one key element. They didn't have a punt returner. They had all the guys on the field, except the guy to return the punt. Like, you're looking at that, and you're, you're looking right. Where at the was coach. he? Was he? He was not out there. He was, he was, just was on the sidelines. Out or... Yeah, he missed the part where he's like, "I got to go catch this now." So that's a big thing. And then
1: <laughs> he was like, "All right, guys, big third down here."
0: <laughs> a lot of people now the the, the delay of game penalties because that was the one that they were saying, "Well, Russ had this issue in Seattle, and last week they chalked it up to being really loud, right?" at, uh, at Lumen Field, and, and also
1: you gave him a bit of a, you gave him a bit of a mulligan considering it was his first game and he didn't take any snaps in the preseason. You're like, fine. So but all, figure it out. So
0: consider this right now. The Broncos have four delay of game penalties this season already. All of last year, 17 games, they had two. So in two games, they've managed to <laughs> Say double. what you will
1: about Drew Locke.
0: <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. But that man could snap the ball. He could look at the clock and say, I need to get the ball in my hands. And that's important. Again, we bury the lead here, but the score... They won 16 9. Yeah. Their defense played well, limited Davis Mills and the Texans to just three field goals. But uh, that... I don't think
1: Davis Mills is going to be the answer for the Houston Texans no, franchise. Oh, no, he has a long neck. He does he, have a long he's, neck. He's got a Mike he? Lennon neck. He can really peer over the line. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an
0: advantage when you're that tall and you built like a giraffe.
1: Uh, interestingly enough, the Sunday Nighter, San Francisco hosts, actually, no, Denver hosts San Francisco. Yeah, it's, it's like the, a really the, interesting The storylines on 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 both those sides. So, for Seahawks fans that are feeling a little disappointed in their team, uh, maybe emotionally let down, um, at least one of San Francisco or Denver will lose next week.
0: Um, okay, we got to move to the game of the week here. We don't talk a ton of Miami Dolphins football on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Neither of us are Dolphins fans. I don't think A-Dog and um, Laddie are, are Dolphins fans. I'm going to say no. I mean, I love Ace Ventura. You love Dolphins. Just they're and, and the animals. animal, yes. The, the humans animal of the yes. <laughs> um, but I think we're going to have to start paying attention. So the, consider this. Of all the teams that have gotten off to pretty good starts this year, and there are a bunch of them, I'm not going to list them all, uh, Miami has gone and beat the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick in week one. And then in week two, the game of the year so far. Tua tonga throws for six touchdowns and 469 yards. Nice. And they rally, the Dolphins do, from a 21-point deficit for a 42-38 to victory over Lamar Jackson, who balled out yesterday. Lamar Jackson was unreal yesterday. Uh, First player in, I think, 20 years to have a 75-yard passing touchdown Mm. and rushing, 75-yard rushing touchdown in the same game. He was great. Tua, and he lost
1: the game at home, which Tua, is crazy. Which is
0: crazy. Tua and that offense. And it's funny because we're, the big question was, is Tua going to be able to get these guys the ball? The answer is yes. And it's not just Tyreek Hill. It's Jalen Waddell, too. They looked real good. They got the rookie head coach in Mike McDaniel. So they showed in week one that they can do it in a low-scoring game. And then in week two,
1: man, that was a performance from Tua. It was really, really fun to watch. I'm sure Tyreek Hill has been pretty motivated to show that it wasn't you know, like, Patrick Mahomes has been has been motivated to show that it wasn't Tyreek Hill that was the best player there. Yeah, He's equally motivated to show, like, he is a serious weapon. Yep. And he wasn't just a product of a quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that anyone was sitting there saying that. I think most smart football fans acknowledge, like, yeah. Patrick Mahomes is a good quarterback and Tyreek Hill is a good receiver. But there's always that element. Mm-hmm. When you go to a new team, you need to prove it again. Tyreek Hill is such an important addition for the Dolphins. They are they are going to be fun to watch moving forward. So, in Dolphins
0: lore, and it's a very established franchise, Super Bowl, Shula, all the way back to the perfect team. There are now three quarterbacks in franchise history with a six touchdown passing game. Bob Greasy, Dan Marino, Tua to vailoa Right. So that's a pretty impressive day for him. That was great. As we go through the rest of the games from yesterday. Uh, We should mention, and we played the Cardinals Raiders off the top. The Raiders were up twenty to nothing at home against the Cardinals. That game was done and dusted. They actually cut to the 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 crowd at one point, and there were some young Raiders fans. Uh, They somehow they got their hands on what looked to be like a bottle of champagne. I think it might have been beer, and they were like ready to you know do the coronation, dousing one another, and then. Kyler Murray, who did nothing the entire game, just decided to go Kyler Murray. I don't know if you saw some of the highlights. Video
1: game style on that so two-point conversion.
0: So funny to watch him go. There's that they, We were joking around yesterday. There's that meme that happened for a while where a mom was looking at her son running around in the yard. She's like, what do you have in your hands? He's like, a knife. And she's like, no! But she couldn't catch him Yeah, because he was just running around. That was Kyler Murray mm-hmm. all day yesterday. Just running around with a knife, except the knife was a football. He is When he does that, he's fun to watch. But he was completely ineffective through three quarters of this game.
1: Um, in the notes that I sent you yes. um, yesterday, it said the cards are 0-2. They have a huge game versus <laughs> the Rams that. in week three. I had completely <laughs> written them off because yeah. I sent off the notes, I don't know, at like 4.30 or so. I, don't, I can't remember. In the Put afternoon this way. sometime.
0: You, and When you sent them, I saw it. and I'm like, yeah, that's that's right. Mm. The Cardinals are now 0-2 and they're dead last in the division. That's wrong. Now it's the the, the Las Vegas Raiders who are 0-2. And honestly, you look at both their games, Chargers in week one and Cards in week two. And the, both those games were close enough for them to win. But that's a tough start to the season
1: there. There are some great games uh, next weekend. Yep. Uh, Bills and Dolphins um, in the morning. That's yep. a 10 a.m. start our time. I think everyone's going to be watching that. Um, and then I also, uh, the Rams and the Cardinals have a huge game. They're both one and one. Uh, the Falcons are in Seattle for the Seahawks. In case you're wondering who the Seahawks next opponent is, okay, it, just, it is inter- the Falcons and interject. they're on to
0: that tone of voice. Now that's a week Two Seahawks as expected tone of voice. Yeah. I kind of knew it was going to go like this. I just, I mean, I was, I wasn't yelling at the TV yesterday. I was more just like, yep, this is it. This is mm-hmm. exactly what we expected. This is even maybe even worse than I thought it was going to be.
1: And Seattle is somehow a two point favorite. Well, Atlanta in stinks. that. Yeah. Atlanta stinks. Um, Packers, Buccaneers, that's going to be a good one. And I already mentioned the Sunday nighter, 49ers and Broncos. Might not be the highest quality game, mm-hmm. but major storylines on both sides.
0: Oh, I, I, You know, it's funny. we have a, So we got a lot of Broncos fans texting in right now, including Juan from Comox. A reminder, if you want to get a hold of us at the show, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. It is the Smalt alternative. Uh, a lot of people talking about the Broncos and how freaked out they are right now. About the the coaching situation, I still don't think that Nathaniel Hackett, according to oddsmakers, is the most likely to be fired. I think that's still uh, Matt Rule in Carolina. By the way, Carolina is terrible as well. That is a bad football team.
1: Well, did they but, think Baker Mayfield would suddenly get good? No, but they needed something to happen there. <laughs> you know what we were talking beyond about this. So so I played my first hockey game of the season last night, and boy, am I tired yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, in the in in the dressing room we always talk about football before the game cuz everyone's just especially on the sundays cuz we just watch the games and i i was like who was it that put out that video of baker mayfield that was like honestly one of the worst like team things or like it was just mean in a way. It was OBJ, right? Right. Uh do you remember, I remember that? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Kind of release, or maybe his dad released a video of all the bad throws that Baker Mayfield made. Yeah. Because he was trying to deflect blame away from OBJ. And I was and I remember watching that video, and my first initial thought was like, who would do such like a jerk thing, right? Mm. But then as I kept on watching the video, I was like, man, he's making a lot of good points here. Yep. He, <laughs> there he are some to... bad throws from Baker Mayfield.
0: Mr. Beckham Sr. appears to be making some points with his video. No, it's it's true. They are not good. But uh, Matt Rule might be the first guy fired. But Nathaniel Hackett is skyrocketing up that odds list to be one of the guys. Because it is an
1: embarrassment what they are doing right now. In in some ways, if Denver is going to make this move, and I hate to draw. Well, this is, this is our first reference to the Canucks. Do you remember when things were going so badly for the Canucks, and I said, "Hey, if they're even considering firing Travis Green, do it." And if they have the con- sometimes, if you've reached the point where you're going to make that you're going to have the conversation, sometimes it's best to just do it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, it would be crazy to fire a rookie. Head coach no, I would. It would. I'm games, not saying
1: but... they definitely should because I, I don't. I, I. mean, I'm just taking a complete. No, no, like, no, 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 no. It's, outs- fair. it's I'm fair, taking it's a fair, complete fair. outsider's perspective of this. I don't know all the details about the Denver Broncos or Nathaniel Hackett. I'm just saying that there are a lot of people after week one and how Nathaniel uh, Hackett handled himself in a pressure situation that said, hey, if I owned the Broncos, and they weren't joking, I might consider firing him. Right. right. You just, 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 just go like, hey, this is not going to work. We're only one, one weekend. We have time to recover here. Uh-huh. But if, if you've, through two weeks... If you have serious doubts about this guy and you're sitting there, if you're asking, for example, if the front office is discussing, hey, who's out there, right? Then it's probably tells you that you don't believe in your head coach if you're already asking those questions. I'm not saying they are. Mm-hmm. They might not be. They might be sitting there going, hey, we got to give him time. Like, no worries. Let's not panic. We're one and one We did get the win. We could easily be 2-0 and if our kicker had made the field goal. And he could have made that field mm-hmm. goal. He's a great kicker. In week one, we'd be 2-0. and oh, People wouldn't be freaking out as much. But if they are having that conversation, they should probably just do it. Well, the other big wild card and X factor and any other terminology you want to
0: throw at it is Russell Wilson. This isn't the coach that he handpicked or had any in- input or decision into hiring like he's so wanted in the past. Hackett was there before Russ was, before the trade was consummated. And now you've got to wonder, he's looking at this through two weeks and saying... Are we really this sloppy and disorganized? The biggest, the thing that's going to kill Hackett as this week unfolds, because it's overreaction Monday now, is that the mistakes they made in week one that they said they were going to clean up didn't get cleaned up. And what's worse, it happened in front of their own fans, right? Their own fans were trying to, like, when your own fans are are (laughs) counting down the clock to help you count, like, it's not kindergarten. Right? Mm. It's embarrassing. And there is that mocking sense
1: of they it. They were so mad. They were not happy. They and it, were and so
0: mad. Bronco's Twitter was all a flutter, right? It was not good. And I do wonder if, not if he survives, but what he needs to do to get this thing right. Because, again, the issues in week one were glaring and pretty obvious. Yeah. Right? You can't be so sloppy getting your play calls in. You can't be so sloppy in the red zone. You have to be more organized. You have to know where your guys are going to go, when they're going to go, real basic stuff. And all of the lack of execution stuff, uh, it points to a coaching staff and also a real lack of familiarity because Russ didn't take a snap in the preseason, and a lot of the starters didn't. Also, they had a big injury yesterday. Jerry Judy, one of their star-wide receivers, went down with an injury. So nothing went right for the Broncos aside from them getting a win over the Texans. Um, Okay, what do we got? Okay, we're up against it for time. We're going to talk to Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders, next. He is our Monday morning quarterback brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Uh, We'll ask him about the San Francisco quarterback situation, about Hackett. Maybe we'll get into some of the other quarterbacking situations around the league. 7.30, we're going to talk to Jim Toth from CJOB in Winnipeg. Uh, We're going to ask him what the hell's going on with the Winnipeg Jets. So on the eve of training camp and young stars, they decide to make the announcement that uh, Blake Wheeler was stripped of the captaincy. They put him in front of the media to talk about it, and then they didn't name a replacement captain.
1: I'm going to ask Jim Toth, would Barry Trotz have made that decision? <laughs>
0: Oof. Oh, poor work bonus. He was up there. He was trying to put his best spin on it, but uh, I'm going to say it didn't come off great. The whole thing came off It didn't like, come I, off. Gr- I actually didn't see it. He tried, yeah. but it was almost like working with an explosive. Like you, you're You're dancing around it because you don't really want to mm. set anything off, so everything you're saying is very safe, but doesn't really address well, I, the
1: issue. I, I was actually wondering if this, this is Rick Bonus trying to put a stamp on the team.
0: I, I mean, it, it very well could be. We'll ask Jim Toth about that coming up. So we're going to talk NFL. We're going to talk the situation in Winnipeg as we gear up for the start of the regular season in the NHL. This is your home of the Canucks Net, 650.